Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, February 22nd, and this is your FT News Briefing. Russia sends troops into Ukraine after recognizing two separatist regions there. Then we hear about Peloton's Project Tin Man, the company's plan to conceal rust it discovered on some of its exercise bikes. Finally, Russia could be facing sanctions for its actions over Ukraine. How could that affect gas companies and consumers? It's a big risk that Russia might respond to sanctions by weaponizing commodities, by saying, OK, you've sanctioned us, so we're now going to cut off gas supply completely, or significantly reduce it. And that would have an immediate impact on prices and drive up costs for consumers. I'm Joanna Gao, in for Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Russian President Vladimir Putin has ordered troops into Ukraine after recognizing two Moscow-backed separatist regions. Putin directed Russia's military into rebel-held regions of eastern Ukraine's Donbas border area on a so-called peacekeeping operation. The troops look set to remain there indefinitely under draft agreements published by the Kremlin. Putin made the decision after an angry televised speech in which he cast doubts over Ukraine's statehood and accused the West of using the country as a tool to destroy Russia. Markets responded with alarm to the day's news. Russia's MOEX stock index closed down 10.5 percent, its steepest fall since Russia seized Crimea in 2014. In September of last year, workers at Peloton's warehouses noticed something funny paint was flaking off some of their exercise bikes. It turned out that was because of rust on parts of the bike, like the inner frame of the seat and handlebars. The company decided to conceal the rust and send the bikes onto customers without telling them about the problem. The FT's Patrick McGee was first to report this plan, which was called Project Tin Man. He says the company was under pressure to put out as many bikes as possible. Peloton was up there with toilet paper early in the pandemic in terms of people panic buying a product, right? With everyone stuck at home, workout at home, connected fitness, completely boomed. And Peloton was the poster child of this whole experience. They were really struggling to get bikes to people. I mean, people were waiting four months, six months, you know, getting really frustrated with the experience. And so the idea that they found just loads of bikes that may or may not have been in condition to actually send to people, you could see why this was a real dilemma for the company. He says the company concealed the rust using something called rust converter. So you use rust converter, which according to some internal documents I obtained, forms a chemical reaction with the rust to turn it black, and then you can paint over it. So basically, as a customer, you would no longer be able to see the rust, even though it was there, which for a company that sells $2,500 bikes, even if this is purely cosmetic, I think that's quite an issue because... It's being concealed from the customer that there's already a rust problem, a quality problem with the bike. And Peloton didn't do anything to flag the issue to customers or give them a discount. Patrick says Peloton told him about 6,000 bikes were affected. The company has not publicly flagged the problem, but in a statement, it told Patrick it would replace any bikes that were affected by the rust. They portrayed it just a cosmetic issue and one that's been resolved by sending them to specialist sites, having specialists work on the bites, and then having a secondary checkup when they went to quote-unquote final mile warehouses. The much bigger problem is I spoke to eight employees in four different states who said that the protocols, whether they're good or bad, were not followed because they were pressured to deliver bikes because of quote-unquote unrealistic quotas. And so whatever one thinks of the protocols, these employees say they didn't matter. Patrick McGee is the FT's San Francisco correspondent. 
Some of the world's biggest oil companies and commodity traders could be hit hard if the West follows through with sanctions against Moscow for any further invasion of Ukraine. Here to talk more about what these sanctions could look like and who they could affect is the FT's senior energy correspondent, Tom Wilson. Hi, Tom. Hi. So do we know the specifics around these possible sanctions against Russia? No, we don't know exactly what's going to happen because the UK, the EU and the US are discussing these measures behind closed doors. This running assumption is that the West and specifically the European Union does not want direct sanctions on Russian oil and gas supply because that risks driving up prices of, of energy, which are already at, at record levels. So instead, we think that the sanctions are likely to focus initially on the Russian financial sector, but also on a wide range of Vladimir Putin's inner circle. So which companies and traders would be affected by these sanctions? We think that because of the vastness of the Russian energy industry and the involvement of so many of Putin's allies in so many corners of that sector, that effectively anybody with extensive business interests in the Russian energy space could be affected. And now that includes European energy majors like BP and Shell, US energy giant ExxonMobil, and the large commodity traders like Glencore, Vitol, Trafigura and Gunvor. And if they don't hit exports, how could they still hurt these companies? Well, let's take an example like Shell, which controls about a third of a huge offshore gas project in Russia's Far East that is owned by Gazprom. Now, again, in order to run that project, um, Shell is forced to engage with a whole series of different uh, contractors and suppliers to that project. And immediately, the sanctions were put on different individuals and players within the Russian energy space. And Shell would need to review those sanctions and figure out whether any of those people or any of those entities appeared within the operating structure of that project and therefore whether continuing to engage in that project would be a violation of sanctions. And looking in the past, how have past sanctions impacted gas companies in Russia? This is an important point because it goes back to 2014 when the US first imposed sanctions on Russia. That was the Russia's annexation of Crimea. At that point, it placed Rosneft under sanctions and Rosneft remains under sanctions today. And the intention was to ensure that Rosneft could continue to supply oil and gas, but to use the sanctions to stymie Rosneft's growth. And it did that by two things. The sanctions denied Rosneft access to financing, or to Western financing, and specifically it was financing with a maturity longer than 90 days, so long-term debt, and that it would need to help fund capital-intensive projects. And secondly, it blocked Rosneft's access to personnel and technology needed for specific types of exploration activities. So that was actually the first time that the US government had specifically tailored sanctions to try and ensure that supply could continue. And most experts think we're going to see, at least in the first instance, a similar approach. And is there any chance that making it harder for these companies to operate in Russia actually does hurt Western consumers? So if we do see a big packet of sanctions um, on Russia, I would expect oil and gas prices to spike immediately. Now, if there is no direct impact on energy supply, then I would expect prices to come back down. But there's two potential outcomes after that. We're hearing that the US would could potentially follow a first round of sanctions with the second and third round sanctions, which could be more punitive. And then secondly, there's a big risk that Russia might respond to sanctions by weaponizing commodities by saying, OK, you've sanctioned us, so we're now going to cut off 
gas supply completely or significantly reduce it. And that would have an immediate impact on prices and drive up costs for consumers. Tom Wilson is the FT's senior energy correspondent. Thanks, Tom. Thanks very much. And before we go, Carl Icahn has launched an unusual board fight at McDonald's. The activist investor is demanding the company change the way its suppliers treat pigs. Icon wants McDonald's to require that all its U.S. pork suppliers end the practice of keeping pregnant pigs confined in small crates. The company says it expects to be about 90% of the way there by the end of the year and to completely eliminate the practice from its supply chain by the end of 2024. But McDonald's said it would be impossible to fulfill Icon's request to end the practice now. In a recent statement, McDonald's said Icon had nominated two board directors as part of a campaign related to the issue. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.